0: Welcome to Life Turned On, where we share and celebrate the stories of sexual self-discovery in midlife and beyond. Society tells us women's sexuality ends once she reaches a certain age, her body changes, or even when she reaches certain milestones such as motherhood or menopause. They want to turn us off, but we are committed to living life turned on, full of pleasure, deep joy, and an authentic expression of self. Listen in as we share stories of women who are ditching old scripts to pursue their own path to pleasure in their lives and their sexuality. I'm your host, Shauna Stewart, and I want you to get ready for honest conversations, practical advice, and inspiration along the way, because here at Life Turned On, we believe that pleasure is our birthright and the time to claim it is now. Hi, friends, welcome back. I hope you've been enjoying your October so far. October is one of my most favorite months because it's my anniversary month and I'm in the process of working on a podcast episode with my husband, so stay tuned for that. But today we get to talk about midlife body changes and how they can affect sexuality with Sarah Gold, the founder of Beloved Sensual Care. I'm super excited about our guest today because Sarah is another like-minded female entrepreneur who saw a missing link in the sexual wellness industry and set out to make pleasure better for women in similar situations. For so long, the industry has mostly catered to men's pleasure, often at the expense of women. But as more females enter the industry, we're seeing huge shifts with what products are developed, how they're made, how they're marketed, typically in a much more elegant fashion and showing that pleasure is for women too. I also love that these women, like our guest today, are also addressing the real needs women have and are finally catching pace with the reality that women want to remain sexually active long after their youth. So Sarah Gold is the founder and CEO of Beloved Sensual Care, a luxurious sexual wellness company that creates beautiful and discreet products for women and couples. Prior to founding Beloved, she started and led five thriving businesses over the course of 30 plus years. The largest of these had annual revenues in excess of $10 million at the time of its sale. She's received awards and recognition for public speaking and two best selling books. So, welcome, Sarah. Is there anything you want to add? Thank you. Well, what I want to add is happy anniversary. Oh, that is really
1: exciting. How
0: many years? It'll be 12 years.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. Congrats to you
0: both. And I will be listening to that episode. Thanks. Yeah, it feels like it's 12 years. I feel like seems like many lifetimes, a, a huge amount of time, and yet no time at all. So <laughs> it's kind of wild. Isn't
1: that wild? Like time, time just, it, it like warps. Some days it's really fast, some days yes. it's slow. But when you look back on those times, it's not, I feel like it's not linear time. When you look at relationships, it's more like what you've been through together, the growth that you have together, the challenges that you've come through together, the fun that you've had together. And none of that, none of that to me, it, anyways, marches on days and weeks and months. It almost has its own cadence.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How long have you been married? I have barely been married a year,
1: but Okay, we've been together nine years.
0: Been together nine years. Very yeah. good. That's so neat. So we've been Caring Beloved at Linger Boutique for about a year now, and I can't tell you how many women have come back, and I've shared this story with you as well to restock, and they all say the same thing, and they're just like in awe that they didn't know lube could actually feel so good and that sex could actually feel good for them. We love it for its high quality ingredients and elegant packaging, but I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the product and why you decided to create it in the first place.
1: Sure. Well, I, I didn't, you know, graduate from college and go out to uh, create a loop. I
0: mean, you know, I didn't tell people that at my college
1: graduation, but, you know, here's, here's where I find myself. So um, just like with a lot of other entrepreneurial stories, um, I was looking for a solution myself as I was in my late 40s. I was going into perimenopause, which by the way, I don't even—I didn't even know what that was until my doctor told me what that was, which I think is just a tragedy. And, and you mentioned it earlier, like things are shifting, but we still have a long ways to go um, for education and acceptance. And um, quite frankly, just conversations about what happens midlife. Anyways, I was, you know, having all these symptoms, went to my doctor and she started talking to me about hormone balancing, which We, you know, worked on that, but I was still experiencing this like unbelievable discomfort and dryness. And I, at an appointment with her, I was like, I feel like I want to like jump out the window. I'm so uncomfortable, not only during sex, but like every day I just felt, it was almost like, you know, that feeling when you have a yeast infection and you want to just like, it's the worst feeling ever. This was very similar to that. It was just like discomfort that was overtaking my life. And so she said, I think you should try a lube. And so, just like with everything in my life, I went deep on research, trying to find something that had high quality ingredients, something that wouldn't stain my sheets, because that definitely happens with some silicone and oil based lubrication. I wanted something like everything else that was sitting on my nightstand that was beautiful. I didn't want it to, I didn't want to be embarrassed if my nephews came over and found it or, you know, we were traveling and it got pulled out in my overnight bag. I searched and searched and I really couldn't find anything where I was happy with the ingredients, where it was discreet, where it wouldn't stain my sheets. And so I I was, of course, talking to my husband about it. And he said to me, because this is the kind of person I am, he said, you're going to make lube, aren't you? And I, said, <laughs> you know what? I think I am. I really think I am. There's nothing out there that checks all those boxes. And so, you know, here we are a couple of years later with the lube as our hero product. But We've also developed some other products that address women's either sexual problems or helping with female pleasure. And so it really was born out of my own need to find a product like this.
0: Wow. Where do you even begin with being able to start something like that? I've always been so curious about that. Was it just the Google and following a rabbit trail or what?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, This was very new for me because Four of my other five businesses were all service-based businesses. So I knew how to do a service-based business. And my one other product-based business was more of a bespoke kind of a business. We created custom-designed jewelry out of vintage jewelry. So like we would take a grandmother's set of pearls and make bride new jewelry for her wedding. So it was all—it was very hands-on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I had ever done a product that was more mass scale. And um, I'm learning a lot of things about inventory and how you uh, do cost of goods on taxes and those kinds of things. But just starting, like I'm a real researcher. So I had already had a bunch of research on what I was looking for in terms of the product. So then I started talking to other women who were in this target market, my girlfriends, my neighbors, then I went wider beyond that. So I really started with the research, like what problems are women having? How can we solve those problems in a really elegant and discreet and beautiful way? Because let's face it, this is a kind of product that it's not like buying dish soap, right? this is the kind of product where from the moment you think you need it and there's some shame around it to the point that you're using it, there's a lot of emotions involved. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to get rid of the shame and the stigma. I wanted women to feel beautiful and feel sensual when they saw and touched the bottle and there would be no shame about leaving it out. And the way that even the bottle functions is very functional. Like you can use it on your side or use it upside down. Um, And the product itself feels good. You don't have to like, Hurry up and wash it off like there's so many like again, I started with where were the problems, where were the opportunities and then really just started with um, I wanted the product to be very uh, nourishing and good for the body, not just slippery during sex. So it was doing so much research on ingredients and what was safe and what wasn't safe. And lubrication is a product that's regulated by the FDA. Although there are a lot of companies and a lot of um, products out there that sort of skirt around this, or quite frankly, just don't even follow the rules. So I wanted to make sure I knew exactly what the recommendations of the FDA were for safety, because that was a number one consideration for me. How do we make this product absolutely positively safe? So it was just a lot of research, a lot of talking to other people, gathering that information, learning about ingredients, Then I had to learn about what kind of packaging was going to be best and keep the product safest and most beautiful. And how long does it last and what's the distribution? So it was just and I feel like I'm still learning a lot every single day because we're very much focused on partnering with retailers like Linger Mm -hmm. and all of our retail partners, while they carry our products, they're very different businesses. So now I'm really in a phase of we still are doing product development, of course, but very much in how do we help and support our retailers to bring this to customers and give them the tools that they need to have those conversations and make it a, a a soft conversation in the stores when people have questions or they're embarrassed so uh long long story short is this is just a has been a giant learning process for me but i love it it's so good to work with customers and stores like yours that understand the problem and the opportunity
0: mm-hmm. because
1: that's the thing is this this kind of a product opens up people's lives that they thought were shut before. And to me, that's the most exciting part about it all.
0: Yeah. And I think the shame and stigma component that you touched on is so important that we really try to actually like just get we try to encourage people to use lube all the time, you know, at yes. any age. And yes. I was even at an event the other night and handed a young woman a lube sample. And I was like, I promise this is not just for old people. It's going yes. to make going to make everything better. Yes. And um, it really does increase sensation, pleasure. Yes. And it's not something that like is, yes, it can solve a problem, but it's not only for problem solving. It's really for pleasure enhancing as well. And so- Yeah, I'm curious too, so you reached out to a bunch of your friends and we're having these conversations about lube. I've had so many conversations with other um, female entrepreneurs in this industry, but it's typically after the recording is ended. (laughs) that Uh (laughs) that All the the good stuff comes out in terms of what it was like to tell friends and family that you're getting into this industry. Did you run across some of that shame and stigma with your friendships or were they totally embracing this idea right away? How did people respond to this idea?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Let me think about it. With the friends and the neighbors and the other women sort of in my target market that I talked to, it was almost like once I started to say the words and have them come out of my mouth, like they could finish my sentences. It was like a sense of relief. Especially like I'm thinking about uh, one of my neighbors that I talked with, she has three little girls and then started telling me all about, you know, I experienced this because of hormonal changes with my girls and breastfeeding and postpartum. And it was almost like a relief that she could talk to somebody about it, because Mm -hmm. these are typically conversations that women are only having with their doctors. And even when they're having them with their doctors, there's some embarrassment around it. And those are very clinical settings. So uh, what I what i realize is that women want to talk about this in a way that doesn't feel shameful that it's like these are our bodies these are natural things that happen and oh that happened to you too okay i'm yeah. not alone that 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 i'm experiencing this so i i think the number one response that i get when i'm talking to people about this about women to women about this is relief like oh yeah. thank goodness We're finally talking about this and there's good solutions out there that aren't embarrassing. And I don't have to go to, you know, some seedy bookstore by the airport to try and Mm. find something that will work or, you know, go to Target to find something that feels really clinical. So I think there's a lot of relief that we're saying words like vagina and menopause and, you know, vaginal dryness. Like, yes, this is the reality of of life. And just to be able to be open and honest with it, I think feels really good.
0: Yeah, it's so empowering and it relieves so so much stress and anxiety to know you're not alone, that you have a safe place mm-hmm. to have those conversations, to share it. And like you said, being able to talk about it in more than just like a 10-minute doctor appointment, not only are those yes. doctor appointments clinical, but they're also very fast-paced. Yes. And so it's really hard to be able to uncover some of the nuance of what you're dealing with, both physically, but emotionally and socially as well with relationships and so forth. So it's so true.
1: Well, and I always try to think about, you know, when I did all the research before starting the company, I looked at so many things like our aging population and attitudes towards sex and just the changes that we've seen over just not even that many years. And one of the reasons that people are having sex longer in life is because of viagra and so you know hallelujah that that was invented but i look at that whole experience that we had with viagra and you know the ads on tv where the the couple's like holding hands in the bathtub on the beach Mm -hmm. right like that has been so destigmatized. Like my husband will tell anybody that he takes Viagra. Like uh-huh. he always has a joke in our house that he he knows if our kids. So we have two boys. If the kids would break into the medicine cabinet because all he takes is Viagra. Oh,
0: funny! <laughs> like he would
1: know if they his Viagra, Right. <laughs> so there's there's no shame and stigma around that. And I always look at that as like that is a to me. If we can reach that when it comes to women's health. Our job has been done. If we can talk about this, if we can talk about lubrication, if we can talk about sex toys, if we can talk about all you know menopause, if we can talk about these things in the same kind of way that we've sort of stigma has gone away around ED and Viagra and Cialis, then I think we all win. That to me is a, a model for us. They they've led the way with that. You know, mm-hmm. their problem solution now it's mainstream. If we can do the same with women's sexual health products everybody wins including the men
0: yes i love that yeah i love that okay so when you were experiencing the dryness in perimenopause in addition to you being super uncomfortable did you notice or experience any relate like did it impact your relational dynamic or sexual relationship with your partner at the time at all or was it mostly just something that you were experiencing on your own you know, it,
1: it was, it was really about me at that stage because mm-hmm. I was so uncomfortable so much of the day. It wasn't just like in those intimate moments, but certainly I talked to my husband about it and he was, he's very open and was like, Hey, let's, you know, try whatever we want to try. I mean, he, he's a, he's all in for those kinds of things. Um, So I'm lucky that I had someone who was really supportive and wasn't, didn't, didn't, Take it personally, because I've heard lots of stories from women who are like my husband or my boyfriend thinks that he can't arouse me. That's why this is happening. And so it creates problems in the relationship. So I didn't experience that, but I know that some people do. It's again, it's a similar kind of thing. Like if a man can't get an erection, is it because he's not attracted to the woman? Well, no, not necessarily. Same kind of thing. If the woman can't produce natural moisture, it doesn't, it's not a bad reflection on the relationship or she's turned on or not, or what the man is doing in that particular situation. It's just like, sometimes our bodies don't behave the way we want them to behave. You know, sometimes I will like, you know, want to lose a few pounds and my body has a completely different reaction. It doesn't want to cooperate with me, right? (laughs) Like some days we need to have energy and our body's not showing up for us that way. So I think we have to give ourselves grace with that and just understand that it's not a bad thing. Like our bodies change and they're not even the same from day to day. So I think having grace around that is really important. And again, I was lucky because my husband was just like, okay, well, let's, let's see what we, let's see what we can try and experiment with. In fact, he calls himself now the head of research and development and he really likes
0: that title. (laughs) Same. My husband does too. He's like, you know, every once in a while, he'll be like, you know, we haven't really done any research lately. I think I'm slacking on my job. That's (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) How else did your body change as you went through perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, well, I haven't hit the menopause part yet. I thought I was almost
1: there, but Okay. Twelve months without your period, so oh, okay. i you know, we're I'm I just recently restarted the clock, so we'll I'll I'll let you know when that happens. Okay. But my experience with perimenopause has been long; it's been many, many, many years. And again, I didn't even know what it was when my doctor brought it up to me. But it's really the the stage before you go into menopause, where your body's dropping in estrogen, which can cause all sorts of different symptoms. And the thing about it is. We, as women, experience perimenopause and menopause very differently from each other. You may have symptoms that I've never had, and my neighbor might have symptoms that, again, I've never had. So, I mean, I've never had, knock on wood, hot flashes. I haven't experienced some of the other uh, more common things, but I've experienced personally things like my hair has changed a lot, like the texture of my hair has changed a lot, which is, Mm. you know, you don't think about that happening um, I definitely have had sleepness, sleep issues. So, you know, waking up in the middle of the night because again, my hormones are changing and fluctuating. So I'm not able to have that progesterone steadily going through my body to keep me sleeping. So those have been my two big things, things in addition to the dryness. But I am replacing my hormones. So I'm doing the hormone replacement um, with my doctor. And I will say that has made all the difference in the world before Mm. i went on estrogen before i went on progesterone and sometimes i do take a little testosterone i was experiencing again basically no sleep my hair became very brittle my skin even was very very different Mm. and so for me that's the right decision everybody has to figure that out with their doctor if they want to do the hormone replacement but i think the thing that i want everybody to know about perimenopause is you may be experiencing symptoms and changes that are happening in your body and your mental state that you had no idea were affected by hormonal changes and they are and there's not a lot of doctors unfortunately that are experts at perimenopause and menopause so i think it's really important to find a partner through this who can guide you through it and say you know like you're not crazy. This is a, you know, lots of other women experience these kinds of things, but it, it can feel isolating and feel very confusing because yeah. the thing is, too, it changes. So, like, my experience in perimenopause at this point in my life was very different than it was four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, this is this kind of like wild roller coaster that we have to be <laughs> on for a while, but it's, but it's, I think it's important, again, that we talk about this to know, like, I'm not the only one who's going through this. I'm not the only one who can't quite figure out her estrogen this, you know, this month. It's something that we all go through. And again, my, my, my husband, he hears all of this stuff. And he, he said to me that men are like mouse traps hormonally, and women are like Swiss watches. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah. I think that's very true. You know, mousetrap has like one mechanism, right? Uh-huh. It has one mechanism. Swiss watch has all these little tiny parts yeah. that are they're all interrelated with each other, and so I think so much is just learning about this. And there's so much more education out there now than there ever has been. And there are wonderful doctors on TikTok and Instagram who talk about hormones and talk about perimenopause and menopause. And just even having these little bits of information
0: that weren't even available a couple of years ago, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Have there been good resources, like books specifically, that you have really enjoyed that were very helpful to you? You know, or not mostly, mostly books. Instagram. I yeah. feel like
1: the, the part of the challenge with books is that the, almost by the time they're in print, they're they're outdated. Ah. So it takes yeah. time, it takes a long time to publish a book, but I do. There are some people that I follow, um, Dr. Mary Claire. Claire Haver on okay. Instagram. She might be on TikTok too. And then Dr. Heather Hirsch, who was also on Instagram. I think those two are excellent science research backed experts when yeah. it comes to menopause and perimenopause. And then recently, Oprah just did a whole menopause series too. And Dr. Heather Hirsch was actually on that. So more and more, this is becoming mainstream. And yeah. so I think that again because it's changing so much and because there's new studies finally coming out about perimenopause and menopause keeping your eye and ear on some of the doctors that are really going deep on this particular topic is the best way to stay on top of this
0: yeah that's great i have had so many women come in and just rave about hormones and like they are just like I'm a completely different person life is good again I was so confused I feel great I feel better than I've ever felt before which is wild and I think that it is really neat to know that there are solutions and options out there and like you said too though our bodies are always changing and it's a I think the blessing of that is that it keeps us from ignoring our bodies that they're yeah. trying to say something and keeping our attention on caring for ourselves and loving ourselves in certain ways so um yeah.
1: well and sometimes i think too if you this is an exercise in grace
0: mm-hmm. right
1: because you can only do so much you can only like fight the aging battle, if you will, for so long. And it's like acceptance and grace and understanding that things are changing mm-hmm. and being intuitive and listening, right? If if you're getting healthcare advice that doesn't resonate with you, if you're like, I don't feel like that's quite right. Really being honest with yourself and honoring that and also making shifts in your lifestyle to to allow this to happen. Like there are some days where like I, I'm an exerciser everyday exercise, but some days I'm like, I'm not getting on a treadmill. I'm gonna just stretch or I'm mm-hmm. gonna go for a walk outside and like being okay with that. When I was younger, I wouldn't have been okay with that. I've been like, get on that treadmill. You have some miles to put on. And now yeah. I'm like, no, my body doesn't want that. I'm just, I'm listening and being yes. more intuitive about that. And I think that's part of the lesson of this whole process especially as women we in our younger years tend to we're on this go 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 right whether we're we have young kids whether we're building our career up to me this this stage of life kind of this middle age stage of life is unlearning some of that fast paceness, listening to ourselves and again, going inward and being more intuitive about what do I need at this moment in life? And at this season in life, it's different than when I was 25 years old and that's a okay, neither is better or worse. But I think that's really part, at least for me personally, Mm -hmm. part of my, why I am going through this process and why my perimenopause is taking kind of an extended period of time is Mm. It's a it is a learning that's been put in front of me, and I want to be intentional and intuitive about
0: that. That's great. I really appreciate you saying that. It sounds like you kind of hit the jackpot with a partner and their understanding and him not taking it overly personal and really trying to figure out ways of supporting you. Do you have advice for other couples out there, people who might be listening on how to navigate this season of life together? That's a great question.
1: Well, you know, women aren't the only ones who are changing as far as hormones go. Men are dropping testosterone as they age. And what happens with that is when you have a decrease in testosterone, some of that aggressiveness and that drive and that push and that go 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 will be softened and so as men get older they experience a softening too like i think about when my grandpa was in his 90s i'm not kidding you could be like i love you and he would get a tear in his eye right he would start crying he was so like he softened up so much very different than the man that i knew when he was you know even in his 60s and 70s he was like a hard charger but he softened in this very sweet old man and you know that's what happens when testosterone drops in your body and so I think it's important to recognize that like men are also going through hormonal changes, not nearly as um, kind of wild and rollercoasty as as ours, because we have, you know, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone is very uh, tricky cocktail. And mm-hmm. so theirs is different, but they are changing. And let's face it, as we change and age, all of our bodies are changing and aging, right? Mm-hmm. Our faces and our even our private parts don't look the way that they did when we were in our twenties, like mm-hmm. things are changing for men as well as they are with women. So I think it's so important to understand and have those conversations and to, to love each other through that. But I think it's also helping each other to understand what's going on. Like my husband has no idea what the details about what's happening as far as my hormones and all of those details. But if I don't, if I don't educate him on that, He's not going to know. I can't expect him to know that, like, you know, what happens when I can't sleep in the middle of the night. But if, if he sees my progesterone sitting out and I tell him, like, I have, can you help me remember to take that? Because that will help me sleep. So much of it is just having open conversations. And if you've been with a partner for a while, or even if you haven't, I mean, if you're intimate with them, you need to be having these kind of conversations and letting each other in on what's happening and having that grace and love for each other and where people are at. I mean, you know, so many women as they get older, our bodies are changing and they're not, they're not the same bodies that we had when we were 20. And I think sometimes being vulnerable and us accepting that is leading the way and showing leadership on how our partner should treat us as well, right? It's like, you know, I may not have a six-pack anymore but I'm still putting on that bathing suit and we're going out on the lake you know <laughs> and like still having that confidence ourselves I I really believe that we tr- we teach people how to treat us and that mm-hmm. starts with us having respect and dignity and loving ourselves where we're at even though it's different than it has been before but for couples I think the number one thing is communication and like o- almost overly communicating in the areas where they don't have the same experience that we do right like Men have, men have not gone through any hormonal, ch- hormonal changes, even when they were younger, like cramps periods. They don't know what that is like, right? We can't expect them to know what that's like, but sharing, you know, those experiences and those struggles and those problems that we're having, I think is really important. And I think men want to know that too, right? If we're just mysterious and mad because, and they don't know why, or we're crabby or tired, like it doesn't put them in a good position either. So I think while it can feel awkward to talk about these things it's so important to do that because in in a vacuum we all fill in that space with not good stuff so it's like is she mad at me what did i do today it's like no i just i'm you know i didn't sleep last night
0: peace right 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 yeah, what other kind of, you t- talked about your body changing from your 20s, you lost the six pack ab, what other kind of change, and you talked about um, night sweats, which I had an experience with that a few years ago when I was sick, I was getting up and having to change my clothes, my husband had to change my clothes three to eight times a night, so oh I, gosh. like, I, and preparing for that to come back. (laughs) But having experienced that for like, I think it was like six or nine months, I definitely have a new appreciation for very breathable, luxurious sheets, very breathable, luxurious pajamas, because everything needs to be nice and fresh and feel comfortable. But what what was what were some of the changes that happened with your body that maybe you had kind of like an emotional reaction to or a mourning of? Yeah. It's harder for you.
1: I think one of the big ones was
0: just a slower metabolism, Mm. right?
1: I certainly mourned having, um, you know, more sweets than I have now. (laughs) And still being able to wear my same jeans, you know, yeah. I mean, it's real, your body changes, you're not able to eat the same kind of things as you did when you were younger, that metabolism thing is a really big deal. Um, I also think, you know, women were so and this is this is biological, and, and it's an evolutionary thing. We're so much of our value in the world is on a physical appearance. Mm. So much of our value in the world is is on that. And it's not I think we've seen so many changes recently that are we're seeing shifts around that, right? We're accepting the, a, a much bigger beauty standard, which is awesome. We're you know looking at those things in different kinds of ways, but I think that that for me that was that was. You know, I grew up at the time where you know we all looked at Cosmo magazine, and mm. you know there was went on the grapefruit diet and did crazy stuff to you know have beauty standards. I mean, my generation—I'm 51—is the first generation of Botox. Like, appearance is important, and so for me, it was a big shift to to like sometimes just soften into like I don't have to show up my best, right? Mm. Like, there's sometimes where I. I'm like retaining weight and I'm not going to fit in my skinny jeans. And like, no, I'm like, that's okay. I'm totally fine with that. You know, Yeah. I think it is a mental shift where your slower metabolism and your body shifting and changing. I mean, even just as far as your body composition, I'm not even talking about your weight. And that's one of the reasons that I do work out every day is because it's so important to build and keep that muscle mass as you're growing older. And now I work out for completely different reasons. I work out because when I'm 90, I still want to be mobile. I want to be able to get up and off the floor. I want to be able to go for walks. I want to be able to play with the nephews and, you know, maybe grandkids some days. But it's a completely different motivation than I want to be skinny, right? Mm -hmm. It's a completely different shift. Now I want to be mobile. I want my, I want to be able to continue to be moving. I want, I want to have muscle tone. I want to have all of those Um, I want to have cardiovascular strength, those kinds of things. I would have never said that when I was in my 20s, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. I want to have cardiovascular strength. I was like, (laughs) no, how much can I exercise so I can fit again, fit in those skinny pants or whatever it might be. So that was a big one for me. I also think just like the thought of like being middle-aged, I mean, I'm 51. When I hit 50, I was like, well, I can't do anything about this, right? Like either it's just going to be like radical acceptance or I'm gonna be miserable trying to fight it. You no, know, mm. I still think it's important to take care of yourself and to to do things that make you feel alive, but it's like a loss, I think, of a loss of fighting for youth. Mm-hmm. And that feels good to me. Like to shed that. Like I'm 50 years old. On my 50th birthday, I went and did um a trapeze class. Oh, fun. And I was like, I'm gonna do something that's out there. Right. That's like, I'm, I'm not, I want to do something that's like, this is 50 for me. And this means something that's fun and interesting and physical, but it's, there's such a shift with, because our culture is so young related. Like I really believe ageism is still one of the last isms that's accepted. And there's such a shift. And with a lot of what's going on in terms of, like, for example, J-Lo is almost my age. I mean, J-Lo, let's, I think she, she's a year older than me. She, she was spinning on a, a stripper pole at the uh-huh. time show. <laughs> I mean, you would have never saw that 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Like such shifts that we're seeing, but we're still are a youth oriented culture. I, I think there are so many wonderful role models that we have now of women like Pamela Anderson, who showed up at Paris Fashion Week without wearing makeup. How amazing yeah. is that? And just one of her quotes was it's so freeing to not have to fight and compete to be the most pretty girl in the room. Like
0: oh, how powerful yeah. is that? Yeah. It's I- amazing. I love everything you're saying. To me, all of that is like life turned on. It's like the freedom, the aliveness, the focus on what really matters to you and your life. And the like you were talking, prioritizing movement for the relationships that it brings to you and so forth. How has your perception of aging and your own sexuality changed since your body changing?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we definitely, and this is one of the reasons I started Beloved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We definitely, as a culture, have a, uh, like, a ick reaction to older people being sexual.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You see, anything sexual, it is young people, except for those Viagra ads. That yeah. that was groundbreaking. But anything that's sex-related, and quite frankly, so many of the sexual wellness brands out there are focused on young people. They really are. And that's where I saw a huge gap and a huge opportunity. And so I think that that being able to understand that people who are over fifty, over sixty, over seventy, over eighty, over ninety are still sexual. Yes, they're having sex and great sex.
0: They're having some of the best sex of their life. (laughs) That's
1: absolutely right. That is absolutely right. And so understanding and acknowledging like that that. Part of your life does not have to go away when you, when the, like the clock strikes 40 years old, you don't have to say goodbye to that part of your life. And I think that once you understand that intimacy is only part physical and you're in a relationship with someone who meets you at that place, but it's almost like the physical part of it becomes secondary, like the connection and the transcendence mm. allows the, the, the if you will, the like imperfect bodies to create something that's that transcends the physical part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a hard thing to find and to understand when your body's in its prime. It's just like that comes with experience that comes with like what we talked about at the beginning of being in a relationship together. It's like once you've gone through challenges and problems and, you know, even in the bedroom, if you've had some challenges that you work through on the other side of it, it's better. It's it's a deeply connective kind of process. And I think, you know, I I have a lot of friends who are mid-age and it's like you hit this point mid-age where you're like, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm like, I'm going to shed that right. I'm going to shed that and really start focusing on what is most important to me and how I feel and how I'm showing up in the world and and doing the things for the people that I love and some of that freedom and letting go of expectations about you know how sex is supposed to be or what we've seen on images on tv or movies that you can let that go because at a certain age you have the courage and the um like the chops and the experience to be like meh that doesn't matter anymore i don't i don't need to i don't need to take a perfect bikini instagram photo that doesn't give me that doesn't give me joy yeah. but what you know putting on a putting on a silky nightgown And going to bed and having your husband reach over and you know give you that little you know hello Uh (laughs) you know like there's different fulfillment and i think different phases and i think there's a lot of liberation especially for women as we get older and 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 like release some of the physical appearance expectations.
0: Yeah. I'm so inspired by you, Sarah. Thanks so much for sharing all of this. Uh, uh, You are 51 now looking forward to Sarah Gold at 61. What do you hope she will be like?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I sort of look at when I reflect on me and when I do my journaling, I look at me as almost like a, a cup of tea. Mm. And I want it to intensify in the right ways over time. You know, when you put a tea bag in, the water's yeah. like clear, and then you put that tea bag in and it starts to get darker. I'm really focused on what where are those places in my life, both me and the the kind of the contribution I'm having in the world, where are the good ones that I want to be more intense and where are the ones that I want to soften. And so I very much look at those kinds of things. So for me, it's so much of um, my happiness comes from physicality. Like I talked about like movement, Uh whether it's, it's not exercise per se, but when I think about the things that bring me the most joy, it's things that I'm moving. It's like, I'm playing with my nephews outside or we're skiing or I'm swimming. I'm in the lake. I'm, I'm kneeboarding. Like it's a lot of that like physicality. So I want to make sure that there's more of that. This I want. I want to be able to still move in the way that I move now, and I think that is very possible. And again, it's softening on the things that that don't bring me happiness or that feel heavy or that feel tight. To how can I soften some of those edges? So I guess it's softening some of the edges that don't serve me and that aren't aren't bringing me to the place where I'm feeling contentment. Contentment has been a big word for me this year. How do I be content and? in simplicity and content and little things. Like I don't need a giant vacation to feel relaxed and content. How can I do that on my back porch? Mm-hmm. How can I do that with the, the beautiful nature trail that's behind my house? Like how how do I navigate that in a way that makes the things that I love about me and I love about my life more present and those other things a little bit
0: fading into the background? I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Of course. (laughs) course. Let me ask you that this question back to you. What's Shauna? What would you hope Shauna would be in 10 years?
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Back at you, girl. Yeah, I hope that I will be more internally bold. I feel like I've made some pretty bold external moves. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I want my inside to feel aligned with what I've done on the outside. I've been in a process of I think, unlearning a lot of values that I just unconsciously Adopted and internalized the majority of my life, so I've been unlearning many values, realigning val- my value system, and I just want to be able to live into and like feel and embody those values a lot more um, over the next ten years so I love it and how yeah. long are you going to accomplish that ooh. Uh- <laughs> So my husband always ha- remind like every once in a while I'll have a moment where I just want to burn everything down, <laughs> well, <I hear laughs> and <you. he's- laughs> and he is will just remind me that I'm Shauna fucking Stewart, yes. and I think that I will know that I've accomplished it when I can consistently just feel that I've shot a fucking Stewart. Whatever that means it. for me in that moment or in that time, but like fully feeling and embodying that on a more consistent basis, not in just kind of like these like bursts or moments, yeah. um, but feeling it more consistently day to day.
1: Like that, a threat. What I'm seeing is like a thread of yeah. SFS yeah thread of SFS just going through going through your days yeah yeah so, some days it might be thicker some days it might be like literally a thread but just like this a constant presence through your days
0: yeah yeah I, well, think I wish that, that for you thanks I feel like I have such a charmed life I was telling my husband the other day I feel like I totally won the lottery with him with my kids with where we get to live, what I get to do. There's so much, so much to like, be super grateful for. I think, you know, he and I were talking the other day, um, in preparation for this podcast that we're going to be doing, I think next week. But one of the pieces of my own kind of sexual self discovery is realizing, I don't know if you're familiar with the erotic blueprints,
1: Oh yes, I've seen yeah. talk about those before. Yeah. yeah, so
0: like the arousal sensations, but as much as it is about like what arouses you sexually, I feel like it's probably the quote unquote personality test that has most nailed me huh.
1: um,
0: in life. And so I'm a kink blueprint. So I have this deep love of the taboo, and I'm always chasing something that's like I want to create the rules, break the rules. I want to know what the rules are, and I'll follow them for yeah. a while but I wanna push those boundaries. But the shadow side of kink is shame. And so the shame piece has been an interesting thing that keeps popping up. And I, like when I first launched Linger, I was like high on these this rush of the chemicals and the adrenaline and everything of like the taboo and we're doing this and we're gonna help women in a way that has not they've not been helped before. And we're gonna break new ground. And this is gonna be amazing. I launched it and with like two weeks after launching, I went into a three week really dark depression about it, like the shame just like consumed me. And so, I think was it, was it like was it because of you, we were worried about what other people would think, or you I thought- think yes, yeah, I think so yeah. and and yet nobody, everybody's been very positive, very supportive, I mean, if they're saying things that they're not sharing with me, that's an entire possibility, but I um. Yeah, I think it was just like, oh my gosh, like maybe I stepped too far out of bounds or uh-huh. you know. And so I think that that's like in the next 10 years I want to be able to be like really comfortable living out of bounds. Yeah. And embracing like the fun and the adventure and the energy of that taboo side of me, yeah. but releasing and letting go of the shame side.
1: Interesting. I love it. Can I give you a, a assignment? Yes. So when when there's things specific things I'm working towards, I always think like, what are really small ways that I can do this to practice being comfortable with it, right? Like if I like one of the things I did for a long time because I grew up in the Midwest, very like. Lutheran, don't be seen. Don't don't stand mm-hmm. out of the line. You know, wear clothes that'll make you blend in. Like everything was about blending in. Yes, like, yes, clean, that was right? me. <laughs> yeah, so bl- blend in. Don't yep. don't stand of that. Don't don't ask for what you want either, because yep. that would be being pushy. So yep. I'm like, this is stupid. I-, I see all these people asking for things. My husband will ask for anything, and, and at first I was like, I am so embarrassed. You asked for that. Yeah. And so I wanted to learn what that was. So I started asking for really teeny tiny things that it was like, even if someone said, no, I really didn't care and they weren't going to care. And just like building up that, like the muscle to do that, right? Like I always thought, oh, I don't want to inconvenience someone. Even at a restaurant, I'd be like, oh, I don't need more water. I don't want to inconvenience that person. Yeah. But I went through this practice of I want, I wanted to be able to ask more for what I wanted. And to to be more assertive with that. So practicing those little tiny things help to build up to that. Right. It's just like exercise. If you want to lift 50 pounds, you have to start with five. So maybe an exercise, a little homework for you is pushing the boundaries on things that are little teeny tiny and getting comfortable not having the shame around Mm -hmm. it. Because right now you're comfortable with that, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm being, I'm breaking the rules, but, oh, that made me uncomfortable. I didn't really like that. Right. Yeah. Those two things are probably married for you right now in terms of experience. I need to challenge you to do some of those small, break some small little tiny rules, push some small little envelopes and experience that without the shame and see if you can't disconnect those two things. And, and do bigger and bolder things and see if you can't on um, the next thing, like escalate it, right? Like do a little more, do a little more, do a little more and see if you can't decouple that. I feel like that might be a way for you to practice that yep. in very low stakes kind of a way to try and separate those two, separate that shadow from that, from the who you are.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. Well, let me know how it goes if you try I will. it. Yeah, I'll keep uh, pra- practicing those muscles. It definitely like little things like even just getting on Instagram. I did not show my face on Instagram for like the first six months of having or no, not even that first year and a half. Wow. like there was an occasional photo of me but mostly i was wanting to hide behind models and other people and yeah. um so it took a long time to put my face on instagram and then get comfortable talking doing videos and yeah. then like it was like 2 years since i opened it before i even showed myself in lingerie wow. and um so it's just been interesting cuz i think it is so i think that like shame and stigma are the things that i'm like fighting so hard against. And it's just something I have to still work on within myself as well. And yeah. hopefully um, bring people along. Yes, with the right as well I think We can all benefit from that
1: 100% yeah. benefit from letting some of that go. You know, have you read Brene Brown's work on shame?
0: I, I've read a lot of her books. It's been several years. So. I think she does such
1: a great job. She She's does. the researcher, right? Like yep. she gets the actual data and is yeah. able to, I think, break down shame in such a great way and, and also explain it in a way that like like being shameless or shame free also isn't a good thing. Like that uh-huh. like like there are certain situations where embarrassment or shame can be helpful. Yeah, it's but a you tool. have to recognize that and 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 how that can serve you and how to really release some of the shame that's out there. And then I also think sometimes this is a practice of us receiving what us wanting to receive in a way that reflects on how we, we treat others. So Mm. like, if we're, if someone's with you, for example, and they're like, talking shit about everybody else, like they're gossiping and blah, 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 you know, this person, this person, when they leave, don't you think the first thing that the first thing that goes to my mind is they're talking shit about me to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you have to almost, you almost have to put yourself in a place where you're like, I don't want to receive shame from myself or from others around me. So I'm not going to give it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to participate in that energetic exchange. Mm-hmm. And so are there areas in my life where I'm shaming other people or where I'm judging other people that I can pull back on that and see what happens to me, see what mm-hmm. the energetic flow looks like to me. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I like to do a lot of like little experiments in my life to see yeah. how things work out. Yeah. But that might be, you know, that might be something to to just examine too is. We're, and again, I think Brene Brown does such a wonderful job with this whole entire topic. I'm obviously butchering it. I'm just a practitioner, but that to me, there there's, that's so interesting yeah. how you can change those energetic flows by how you're showing up in the, sometimes it's the littlest kind of ways, right? Like I said, I grew up in this like stoic in a, in a negative, not a positive stoic kind of way where like an eyebrow could send somebody crying, right? It's be oh, like, yeah. do the wrong way. But it's like, you don't have to continue those same kind of patterns either. You can, we can all choose to shift those. And I think that that comes as part of this self-reflection um, and the work that you're doing and all this, the, the the content and this messaging and the resources that you're putting out in the world that it, it, it allows for some of that self-reflection.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one of the big interesting things has been with the bra fittings, and with like lingerie and so forth i like in terms of like not shaming others it's one of those things where i see people in my dressing room with all different kinds of body types all different ages all different and the only thing i see when i look at them is beauty and like they just like every time i like you know if i have to help adjust or whatever like i just like the dressing room curtain opens i'm like oh my gosh like and i it's like genuinely truly like you are a beautiful human being and Uh you know we had another guest on who's like a professional undergarment educator and she talked about a similar thing where it's just like being able to see other people and being able to genuinely see them as beautiful Mm -hmm. is like then being able to turn that back on yourself and give yourself that same kind of grace and kindness and compassion and so forth as well. So
1: it's so true. Well, whatever energy you feed is what grows. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, I I talked about those good vibes going on right now because our sports team is winning. Like yeah. I want to be in those good vibes. I want to be in that. You can choose to be, you know, read all the news 24 seven and stay in that kind of icky place or choose some of the other energies to be in. And I think that the, you know, so many women, because of body images and expectations, even just having a bra that fits them properly is something a lot of women never, ever, ever have in their life, mm-hmm. much less someone tell them that they look beautiful in that. So mm-hmm. the work that you're doing is, yes, there's bras and, and physical things, but it's so much more than that. It really is so much more than that. And I, I think that we, we all deserve that kind of encouragement and support. And to know that like someone can walk in your store, I'm sure they're not coming in for encouragement and support or to feel beautiful, Mm. but to find that surprise and delight that when you help them actually find a bra that does fit them, whether it's a, you know, super slinky, like a black lacy one, or it's a, you know, a a beige t-shirt bra, like you're going to create a different experience for them that, that a lot of women just have never experienced before. And that's such the beauty of independent lingerie stores like yours. You're not just selling bras and panties and lingerie.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what makes it all worth it is like watching people change like throughout their visit and just the way they hold their shoulders a little further back and they're standing taller at the register and they're walking out. Many people are like, I'm never putting this old bra back (laughs) on. i'm always wearing this i even had a gal come in and buy a slip dress and she's like i'm wearing this out i feel fabulous (laughs) and she's like and then she came back later she's like you've changed my whole like summer dress era (laughs) but um but it's just like how people feel and like yeah i think we can all be very critical of ourselves but it's these like little transformational moments that isn't about the lingerie at all. But it's it's like it's the it's the invitation to look at themselves a little bit differently and to see Mm -hmm. beauty that the rest of the world gets to enjoy, but being able to see that in themselves as well. So it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? Well, I would love to connect with all of your listeners. We're on Instagram
1: at Beloved Sensual Care. That's probably the very best place to find us. Come on over, say hi. I'd love to meet you.
0: Great, thank you, Sarah. This has been such a gift. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I hope it was super encouraging to our listeners, and just thank you so much for all you're doing for women through sensual, beloved sensual care. It's truly changing lives. I see it. I know you see it, and I look forward to chatting soon. Thanks, thanks again for listening if you enjoyed this story i hope you'll subscribe so you don't miss the next one please share it with a friend to keep the conversation going and leave a review that would be super helpful we invite you to follow us on instagram at life turned on podcast and if you have a story you'd like to share please email us at stories at life on podcast.com And the next time you're looking for lingerie or sexual wellness products, I hope you'll consider shopping at lingerboutique.com so we can continue to normalize rest and pleasure together.